Hi, I'm Lauren. Hi, I'm Kelly, and welcome to The Millennial Minimalists. We are two Canadian millennials and minimalists on a mission to live more with less. And together, our goal is to inspire you to design a simpler, more intentional life. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm speaking with minimalist author, speaker, and simplicity coach, Chris Lovett, who recently released his first book titled Discovery of Less. How I Found Everything I Wanted Underneath Everything I Owned. In Discovery of Less, Chris shares his journey from once living a busy lifestyle filled with excess things to now designing a simpler, more intentional everyday that he calls a less ordinary and happier life. I had the pleasure of reading an early copy of Discovery of Less, and as I went through each chapter, I couldn't help but think about how much Chris's story could be helpful to anyone who's interested in adopting a simpler way of life. His book is insightful and motivating and also a relaxed and fun read. And in our discussion today, Chris shares some of his stories and strategies to help you let go of excess things, thoughts, or habits in your life that may be holding you back. Plus, together we discuss the benefits of letting go, the importance of creating time and space for self-reflection, and the power of saying no and taking a chance on a different path. Be inspired to gain the courage to let go, say no, and design and maintain a simpler and happier life. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. Nice to finally meet you virtually. Oh, likewise. So your book titled Discovery of Less, How I Found Everything I Wanted Underneath Everything I Owned, is about your journey to minimalism and what I believe to be a powerful story that can inspire people to simplify and take ownership of their lives. Yeah, you just raised your book. I love it. I love it. Uh, Great cover, by the way. And to give a brief background for our listeners, you share your experiences from living in the comfort zone to letting go and creating a more meaningful life. After working in the corporate world for over a decade and collecting all the things through self-reflection, you eventually decide to let go of it all, make time for travel, and create a life that values what you say, stories, and experiences over things, which I loved. And today, considering many of us are living on autopilot and the stuff we own can begin to own us, I'm excited to share how you became inspired to declutter and let go of your former traditional way of life. So to start our conversation, can you describe the experiences that first led you to question the comfortable life that you were living and what motivated you to declutter and sell your things? Wow, Kelly, what an intro. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just forget that and add that to anyone I meet in the future? I might just take that as a voice note and go, people just listen to this first and then you get to know, uh, yeah, oh, thank you. Uh, And firstly, thank you for for having us create together. It's great to, to join you. Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird one because getting rid of everything that you've ever owned is not something that is on people's lists generally because we spend so long in our lives collecting things that we think that add value to our lives. But over time, we realise that, like you say, the things that we've bought in to take ownership of actually then start to take ownership of us. And you know, there was just one one or two occasions for me that looking back were kind of negative events that happened in my life and I'm sure you know we've all gone through a negative event over the last kind of 18 months or so a huge one but when you go through life there I believe there are small little signs small events that happen that really trigger you and and I like to call them the basil faulty effect 
So I don't know if for those of who people who love British comedy, lost his stuff <laughs> every episode because over a period of that episode, stuff went wrong. He lost control of something. He, you know, something hit him on the head, or you know, whatever it was. They were quite comedic, right? But you know, in my life, there were these small negative events that happened, but they started to stack up. And in the end, I just went Basil Fawlty, and I just like, right, that's it. Something's got to change. And you know, things like really inanimate things that on its own probably don't mean a lot, but if you start to stack them up, mm-hmm. they start to become more meaningful. So things like me stepping with my bare foot on an open CD case, a very minor pain, but again, my stuff caused me physical pain, right? And that was one of the things where over a period of time to go, right, what have I got to do with these CD cases? Sure, I can't just have them all over the floor because, you know, I'm going to hurt myself, right? So all these things started to happen. You know, my physical stuff kept me tethered to the decisions of the past as well, my my victim mentality was there as well. So I used to think that everything was everyone else's fault and I couldn't change anything. I was really reactive to life events. So things would happen that were out of my control and I would get really annoyed, worried, upset by them and think, oh, well, this is your fault. I can't change anything. And so it was almost a bit like, what can I do to disrupt this way of living? I ultimately needed money, right? So underneath all of that, Kelly was a why, right? I needed money to go traveling. That was my why. It was very short term, but it was the trigger for me to start selling off the things that didn't really add that much value. And over time, you know, selling things gave me rewards immediately, which was money to pay off the debt that I'd had over so many years. Plus, it made my living space calmer because there was less stuff in it. And it helped us go traveling. So, you know, there was immediate reward to getting rid of stuff. But through that whole process, it was a bit like, wow, my awareness has grown to how much I'm clinging on to Jack Bauer and all eight seasons of 24, which I spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds on, or you know, a pair of shorts that I'd not worn for six years. But one day, one day, Kelly, I'm going to wear them. Right. One day I might. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just need that perfect day in that perfect setting um, with the perfect weather to put those shorts on. And so it, it brought up all these weird feelings of emotional attachment and sentimental value and that I'd never really figured out before. So, yeah, so all of those kind of small negative events, the stories that I told myself and the increased awareness of my relationship to stuff triggered the event of decluttering. And that was my kind of first foray into a minimalist life. And it wasn't just you. It's, it's also you were living with your partner, right? So yeah, yeah. two of you going through this process together. I also wanted to add that you, you had mentioned your career at the time. And you started to also realize that the career that you were so committed to for over a decade, they weren't really rewarding you. Yeah. And I think I, I'm guessing that that was also a piece of it. Yeah. And, you know, for, for yourself and the people that might be listening, you know, sometimes we get stuck in a job or career or profession that we've just fallen into so all the all the you know the jobs that I took on to pay for buying the stuff I didn't need mm-hmm. <laughs> was something I fell into but again I was like with that victim mentality I was like well I'm not being rewarded enough I'm not being valued enough but I didn't do anything about it mm. just moaned and sometimes the you know the change or doing something slightly different feels so overwhelming that we don't do it so 
changing jobs, changing careers, even changing teams, or even things like saying to the boss, you know, I'd like to do more of X because that's where my values are, or I'd like to do less of Y because I'm not enjoying it. You know, we get really, really worried about the reactions of other people when we when we think about that. But but yeah, my, that minimalist lifestyle and that you know that way of thinking about removing the things that didn't add value helped me change my career. And I never thought it would because I was looking around, going, I've got countless emails every day. Seventy five percent of them I don't need. I felt obliged to respond to everybody. You've got sixteen tabs open every day. You know, access to hundreds of systems. I don't need all of them. <laughs> so it was almost a little bit like taking that view of your own clutter into the workplace and going, what tasks do I really need to do? Which ones add the most value? And which ones just take up time? Or that we've always been doing but never really realised why or where they started from? Or what are the rules that we've created ourselves that we just live by? Right. That we that we feel are unbreakable. Um so yeah, so I took that kind of physical activity of selling CDs and DVDs and books I'd never read into the workplace. And it was a weird transition because people were like going, Well, you can't just stop doing stuff. And I was like, let's find out. So I did a few experiments where I just stopped doing stuff and no one knew. And no, I got no one asked me for anything. You know, that I used to write these ridiculously long reports and then send them off to people. And I'd never hear anything back. And so one day I just stopped doing something and no one asked for it. And it gave me an indication then of how important that thing was that I was doing. And it really wasn't that important. You're reminding me about our favorite thought leader, Greg McEwen, and how uh, he, yes. he says to focus <laughs> on what's most essential. And yeah. that, hap- that helps in every area of life. Even I can relate with you completely. You know, a lot of the times, you know, when I get, I used to get a lot of emails through work and then I'd feel like I need to be in a reactive mode and respond to everything. And then now I'm saying, okay, well, if you feel a little stressed, ask yourself why, and then go through the work and figure out what is most essential. Because less than half is probably essential in terms of level of urgency, especially. But, but I like this conversation. I like, I like where we're at right now because it also reminds me of minimalist blogger Joshua Becker's quote. He says, maybe the life you've always wanted is buried under everything you own. Yeah, I yeah. love that because you are an example of exactly that. And I think a lot of people out there can really relate. And it's exciting to hear that there is an opportunity to make a change and let go of that stuff and be able to open up to the world that you really is meaningful to you. So so I believe that after selling off your things, you took a sabbatical at work. I believe yeah. this was back in like 2017. And you and your partner traveled to disconnect from the burnout lifestyle you were both living. You, you share a story about how your partner you just passed out on the tube, the subway. Can you describe your reflections during your travels, especially through Southeast Asia, and the moment you discovered minimalism? Yeah, I love talking about traveling. <laughs> So I'm sure you like traveling as well. Yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. you grow. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, that was one of the things that was almost buried underneath all my stuff is the ability to go somewhere else for a little bit. So yeah, so the stories I was telling myself I can't take a sabbatical because of you know filling all the fears I might miss out on a job opportunity. What if I get let go? What if? What if? What if? Right. So all of these fears help me back so they were the stories the mental clutter that I like to call them 
the physical clutter kept me tethered because what could I do with all of my stuff? I can't bring it with me. So I had to let go of it, you know, to, to, to travel a little freer and get some money. But yeah, we, we traveled around um, Toronto, your hometown, and just tried to do that slow travel thing where we stay in a place, we get to know the local area, get to know the people, not just do all the touristy things and tick them off, which again was a different way of traveling because in the past we'd always gone to a certain place, did the thing and got out <laughs> to do the next thing. Um, so, but this way, hiring a car and going at our own speed, this was a new thing. So again, related to the kind of minimalist way of living, that slow travel, you know, taking everything, knocking it down a few paces right, and doing that. And that, that then led over into Laos and Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand, where we, we spent quite a few months. And only then did we realize that actually a lot of the stuff in our backpack, we didn't need that either. So um, we shed half of our stuff in Slovenia before we transitioned over into, into Eastern culture. And we were doing more activities and gathering more experiences. And we forgot about all the stuff. We've, we didn't worry about what we were wearing. Obviously, we wore clothes. We weren't just wandering around naked. But, you know, it was, right. we, weren't, we weren't fussed about what type of clothes we were wearing. We weren't fussed about belongings left at home. We weren't worried about any of that anymore. But, yeah, the actual moment was after a long day of hiking and boating and climbing up a mountain. So all these fun things, right? You do all the fun things, do all the energetic activity, and then you reward yourself with a load of chill-out time. Get your iPad, flick on a film, eat snacks in bed. Awesome, right? And the film that we found was the Minimalism documentary by Justin Ryan. I'd never heard of the term minimalism before. About five to ten minutes into that documentary, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm connecting the dots. Now everything that I've been doing in the last year or so has a name. And so I can now hang my hat on that. And I can see these two guys lead the way from a Western perspective and go, what is it that they're doing that, you know, that they can inspire me or I can replicate or I can maybe even challenge you go, I like the way that they're doing it, but that's not the way that I would do it and kind of form my own version of what a minimalist lifestyle personally and professionally looks like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was almost a bit of a, that was the final piece of the jigsaw for me. And in the book, once, you know, for anyone who wants to pick up the book, there's a story after that about the day after my car gets written off. So I left my car at my mum and dad's, mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, one day, just in case, you know, we'll come back and they'll need it. Mm -hmm. and, and someone had crashed into it. So that decision to let go of the car was taken out of my hands. At the day after I'd watched that documentary and I was like, that's it. That's the final piece of my old life gone pretty much yeah so for some background for our listeners you had sold all your items and you'd sold your home as well yeah <laughs> yeah so you guys yeah. had had let go of everything and gone traveling and this was only for a couple of months and then you came back you, you yeah. were still in your role this was a sabbatical right yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. yeah and and what did you do when you came back yeah so um yeah so we sold our place and and again friends and family are a bit like what are you doing like people don't do this right. right and I was like no but it's this something that we need to do you need to let go of all of this stuff because the way that I designed my life 10-15 years ago is not the, the design I want to 
you know, be the architect of going forward. So had to let all of that stuff go. Um, came back, we, we stayed at my mum and dad's for a few months. So when kind of normal life, I've seen the inverted commas, normal life came back. It was a case of redesigning, but I also helped my mum and dad declutter too. So when, um, when we're living in their place, then did I see almost like another version. My old childhood came back and all the stuff that they kept in the loft and in all the nooks and crannies of their home of just stuff. And so, yeah, so, uh, you know, I used all of that, all of those experiences to support them in their version and their little journey of decluttering, which they're still doing now, not to the extent that we do, <laughs> but, you know, little by little. And I think that really helps in regards to a generational perspective, you know, because your listeners might have parents who are really attached to things. And I think probably from my own experience that people of a, in that type of generation find it a lot more difficult to let go of stuff because of the way they've been brought up or mm-hmm. um, you know, social or, or cultural settings that they've been in. And for them, it's just not an option. Right. So you almost have to you know, inspire them or motivate them in a different way. Mm-hmm. But I just ask you really good questions. You know, what, what is it you're planning to do with that half a pool cue that you just saved? <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned how your mom had a, an emotional attachment to a lot of her items. And Lauren and I can really relate uh, yeah. our parents as well. Uh, you know, they're, they're attached to their things. And we, we, we believe that leading by example really, really helps. <laughs> Rather than telling 100%. them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I think that comes with, or maybe telling them in the first place and realizing that that doesn't work. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, role modeling is probably the best way if you want you know to be inspired to influence and motivate others around you because again what i think what we don't appreciate as much kelly is i think that it took us years took us years to get to that moment of clarity and then we expect others to have it immediately because we've got it and so they've not been on the same journey as you and um and it's not our right to take them through the same journey as us but you know, maybe it is our responsibility to raise the awareness and what they do with that is up to them. No, absolutely. And and also I wanted to add that following your travels, you talk about how you actually gained a greater appreciation of your values as a professional, uh, your yeah. self-worth, and, and you grew the courage to propose a raise at your corporate job that you had been in for over a decade and yep. also explore other career opportunities. And I believe that you had quit your job on the spot was that was that the case yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and so so how did how did letting go help you embrace your worth as a professional yeah so not having not having that the, the understanding the relationships of stuff really helped understanding my mental clutter as well just old stories that I told myself I'm too old to relearn x you know I'm too invested in this company to leave all of these, again, stories that we tell ourselves and stuff that we can't do that stop us from doing things that we really want to do. And for years, I've been like, I should be rewarded more. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I feel undervalued, but I didn't do anything about it. didn't tell anyone. Just a constant monologue that I told myself for years. So in the end, I was like, well, give me more money. <laughs> and they went, well, well, we can give you a little bit. I was like, not enough. So I left. And it was actually the day, one of the, I think it was, might have been the first day or second day I went back to work after coming back from travelling where I went and sat in my old seat in my old job 
um, with my old laptop, with my old team. And I was like, if I sit here any longer, I get sucked into an old way of living. Right. So, um, yeah, so I resigned and, um, and started a new path, a new career that I designed myself. So almost a bit like I jumped out of the comfort zone into where the magic happens. So, so yeah, and so I did that, changed careers, changed industries. I went from working in financial crime and catching bad guys for a living, which sounded quite exciting yeah. up to a certain period, to becoming a coach. And so that's what I do now full-time as well as run my own side business around minimalist living and speaking etc so and I love it you know this is what I was supposed to be doing but it took me years to realize that all I needed to do was just do a couple of brave things and step out of that comfort zone and on the other side of that comfort zone is an increase in resilience an increase in growth more stories because you've got you probably fall along the way you might make a few mistakes but all they do is they add more resilience and more character to you as a person because no one wants to hear about all the success stories all the time people want to hear about how you messed up right absolutely <laughs> they're, so, they're generally more fun and so I put a few of those in the book too because no one's fallible and yeah and with that sense of traveling I almost felt like I was unbeatable I felt like I was I could achieve anything and so I used all of that confidence of managing to let go of all that old crap that I used to hoard and quitting my job and going right I'm going to decide now I'm going to make my path and that's what I did but yeah it's not as easy as I make out <laughs> because of all the mistakes and stuff but of course but, yeah of course. but yeah. we've all been there right you know you know trying to create your own path will you will fall over along the way you know you know I'm sure Kelly you know, to create your path you've probably made a couple of mistakes that have been really really valuable for you yeah doing what I'm doing today took many years to get to almost I had this desire to help deliver the stories of interesting people. In my travels as a model, I ended up meeting interesting people around the world and I became motivated to somehow share their stories outside of what was told through the media. The, the everyday conversations that I had, I was like, wow, I wish I could share these with the average person. And so that was initially my passion, but I realized in that passion was my passion for storytelling. Uh, and when I found this lifestyle, I just became enveloped in it. And I just, I just love, I'm just so passionate about living simply that I was like, I need to do this. I need to make this a big part of my career and my lifestyle. Uh, and I really, really want to help others because it has changed my life. And, you know, I, yeah, in so many ways, like you just walk through life with so much more clarity. And I'm sure you can mm. completely agree with me there. Your story just now feels so relatable. I know that there are probably <laughs> listeners listening right now thinking, I want to, I want to do what Chris has done, but I'm scared. I'm scared of, you know, making mistakes in the process. But again, there are going to be ups and downs. But once you get there, you're going to just say, oh, it was so worth it. So mm. on that note, what advice yeah. would you give someone who is living that comfortable life yet feels unfulfilled? And maybe they're afraid to let go of their things or take the risk on a different path. Uh, so I'm curious what you would suggest. Would you suggest they declutter to create space for self-reflection? Or what, what do you think? I think we attribute having less to losing so we attribute less to loss and so when you look at it from a you know from a rational perspective you go why why would i want to get rid of stuff that a i've paid for 
the thing I've kept in the, you know, in my environment that I've probably paid the most amount of money for, which is our house or our car. Why would I ever want to get rid of that? Because that's who I am. But if there's things that you want to be doing, places that you want to be going, you know, underneath all the stuff like we mentioned earlier, we've all got aspirations, right? We're, there's there's something that around, you know, that that one day that if I had enough time, I would do fill in the blanks. If I had enough money, I could, you know, what is it? We've all got a few things that we want to be doing, but we are just attached and tethered to a life that we've created that might not serve us anymore. Mm-hmm. And letting go of that sounds really quite counterintuitive, but it's almost like it's necessary because only once you start letting go of the stuff that no longer fuels your drive to do the thing that you want to do, it becomes freer. So I always like picture it like you've got a parachute and you're trying to run, trying to do the 100 metres in a parachute. It's going to be slow. <laughs> really really slow because all of that air is getting caught up but if you would take the parachute off you go a lot quicker and it's almost like that's how the physical part of decluttering feels you know because if because generally people that i I coach and support they always start in the home the longest purchase you're ever going to have the most stressful the most expensive the place you're probably going to be for the most amount of time each day why on why would you fill it up with junk? <laughs> and so once kind of people go, oh yeah, I didn't really think of it that way, we can start to let go of it piece by piece. And within your home environment or work environment or you know, your commute to work in your car or wherever it is, making that calmer, making that space, translates it into your mind as well and to how you feel. So all of a sudden you've got a bit more time, you feel a bit more calmer mm-hmm. and new ideas start to appear, new opportunities. Oh, actually, I can go for a run today, Kelly, because I've been wanting to do that for weeks, but I've not had the time mm-hmm. because I've been cleaning too much or I've had to go and pick up such and such or I've been answering too many emails, whatever it is, right? And so, you know, these things hold us back. Another bit of advice I would say is enjoy it. So what I'm really conscious of in Discovery of a Lesson, you know, in my kind of view on minimalism is it's really diff- it's really easy to get caught up in the seriousness of it. Because it is important, right? Because, you know, it's not just impacting our own personal and professional well-being, but climate and the environment too. If we keep hoarding and buying and our addiction to consumption and all this stuff, right? They're really, really important topics. But what important topics can do is that can lead to a sense of overwhelm. We can't do stuff because it's too difficult. You know, if we want to lose weight, if we wanted to get fitter, eat better, you know, there's enough information out there in the world to go and start whenever you want, but we haven't done it yet because it's sometimes too overwhelming. So if making the whole thing really, really fun and easy and simple makes the whole transition a little bit more enjoyable. And, and that's what I did with my parents is we had a fun time together as a family going through my old junk as a kid. Right. You know, old WWF wrestling figures and an arm was missing. <laughs> or, you know, like Thundercats or he man all these, these types of typical boys to- toys, right? And I was like, Mum, what do you want to do with a headless ultimate warrior? <laughs> and she's like, mm, well, I don't know, maybe I could put breadsticks in it or something. I was like, no, you know, it's been... <laughs> um, all those incense candles you put those bits. No, right. right. So yeah, that's pretty good if you want to upcycle, but um, but no, having that fun, you know, going through that old stuff and having those memories in the moment and then letting go of them was made it easier for her to let go of stuff. And um 
and the almost after effect is you'll probably forget about it in about a day or two. I mean, the amount of DVDs and films that I got rid of, yeah, which I thought was so vital to me enjoying life. Ghostbusters, right? Ghostbusters, my favourite film ever. But you know, getting rid of that DVD didn't mean that I was less of a fan. It didn't mean that I wouldn't love it anymore. And I thought that if I got rid of it, I would really miss it. But I would go out and buy it again, which would maybe feel stupid for getting rid of it in the first place. But actually, after a day or two, I completely forgot about it. I forgot that it was there. And I can't tell you, Kelly, how many items that I sold, donated or recycled, that I just can't even remember what they are. So they clearly weren't that important. They weren't important. At the same time, when you're letting go, it's also benefiting others. And that's something I like to remind a lot of people. It's You describe how you gave away your guitar. and. Yeah. And doesn't that feel good? Because you're passing along to someone who can actually use it when you weren't using it. And for me, I I had this yoga mat in my apartment for so long. I had two. And I ended up giving it to a girl who wanted to be a yoga teacher for free. Yes. And her mom was just so thankful when I gave it to her. And it was just, it was yeah. just, so, it just you get this. You did that. Yeah. And you get this helper's high in return. So it, it feels really, really good. And, uh, you know, something I would say to our listeners who, who do, you know, have that fear in them, you know, I, I, maybe I, I do want to take on a different path or, or maybe I do, but I don't know what that looks like. I always suggest, ask yourself, when are you at your happiest and write it down. I think that can be really helpful. So write that question down. When are you at your happiest? And the second question is, what am I afraid of? And that is a question that the minimalists, I got from the minimalists. So, so important. Like, what am I afraid of? Like, okay, so these are the downsides, these are the upsides and outweigh the two. So I think like both of us, I mean, I mean, especially in our, I'm sure in our twenties and even in, even in my early thirties, I'm in my early thirties now, you know, you're taking risks all the time. Uh, and that's just the way life goes. You know, there, there will be ups and downs, but if you do have that direction in mind, I, I always say that it, it, it's better to try than have regrets. Right. So that's how the saying usually goes, but. And, you know, it adds to your story. Yes. As well. Right. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, telling our friends about epic fails can be really funny and it can make you grow as a person because ultimately there will be some failures along the path because I don't know anybody that's, that's nailed this bang on from day one. I don't think anybody has. Um, how do you do life perfectly? <laughs> Question mark. Has anyone got the answer yet? No, I'm not sure. But yeah, everything you just said there, the, the questions are bang on. 100% and, and great to sit with and reflect on um, and yeah I'd encourage encourage anyone to if you're looking to do this journey to to ask, ask yourself those questions and see what comes out yeah no absolutely and on your website lessisprogress.com you wrote a blog titled the importance of no why we find it hard to say no at work the benefits and how to get better at it. Now, considering saying no can feel uncomfortable, can you describe how saying no and embracing JOMO, the joy of missing out, uh, has benefited you both personally and professionally? And I think this keeps on the same topic of like, you know, having that newfound confidence to say no to opportunities because you have a new vision in mind. Yeah, I love it. I love, but this is the most popular talk that I do. So, I'm generally 
asked to go out and speak to groups of people, to companies, to teams at wellbeing events and things like that. And this comes up a lot. And our relationship with that word no goes back to cavemen times. You know, if you said no to your small group that you were running around in, you got ostracized and you were left to basically left to die. Right? You didn't get any access to the food, to the water, to uh, to housing, to safety, anything like that. You were ostracized. And so if, you know, saying that in a work setting, especially to your boss, it feels really, really uncomfortable. Again, A, because we don't like to tell people no anyway, because it, it's got connections to rejection. And, you know, we've all grown up with rejection. Um, when I used to go and I used to be scared of asking girls to dance or drink because of no so I didn't do it and we've taken that now into our professional life because we don't want to be seen as the one causing a ruckus but now I think it's our responsibility to cause a ruckus because otherwise nothing will change and everyone will just continue to be overworked overwhelmed with stuff to do and it always just takes one person to go I'd love to help but I've already got 15 things that you've given me to do. Yes. So which of those, yeah, which of those 15 things is now not as important because I can, I can do this thing that you've just given me, but something else has got to drop. No. So what's the priority now? And actually putting it back onto someone else and going, Oh, actually I didn't consider that because you've just said yes all the time. I thought you were just dealing with it. But actually that then elicits, itself. you do have a finite amount of hours that you are, contracted to work and you work at your best and perform at your peak levels and things like that and so yeah continuing to say yes to stuff keeps you buried under you know digital work your physical work all of that stuff basically going back to the decluttering the more we bring in the more we get buried <laughs> and you know from my own perspective i found that the less i do the more time the more the better i can deliver the things that i do do so writing a book Kelly, I never thought I'd write a book in a million years. Yeah. I know, right? I'd never ever thought that I would have the time, the energy, or the skill to write a book because I failed English when I was younger. And so, again, a story. <laughs> I told myself that I can't do it. Um, but I stopped doing other things that weren't going to help me on that path and then ended up writing a book. And I'm going to do a second one too. <laughs> I, I never thought that I would have you know, a full-time job that I love. And I say no a lot at work and it gives me that boundary. It sets my boundaries and it also sets the boundaries for other people to go, well, like I was saying earlier, if you get an email, we, sometimes we feel compelled to respond straight away. But it's clearly not that important because they would have rung you up. Mm-hmm. An email is a message that you can get around to whenever you go and check emails. And so, yeah, so you know, understanding the importance of something is really quite vital. Um, I like to use a a term that is used by one of my friends, Kelly Enduin, who's um, who runs a, a marketing company. And he does a TED talk about how you use your shield of no <laughs> to defend you um, when you can't always attack through, with your sword of yes. Because you can't break everything with your sword. You can't say yes. So sometimes you have to defend your time, your energy, etc. And that's when you put your shield up. Uh, and people that I work with and I've gone out and done talks to have used Kenny's work that I've you know translated and, and put into a, in a different work context and personal context and things like that. And I've had people say back to me, 
weeks and months later, been using my shield of no. Yeah. I'm like, good for you. I was like, excellent. What have you been able to achieve now you've put your shield up? And like, you know, I've managed to have an extra 10 minutes for lunch. It's like, brilliant. Well done. <laughs> you know, I've managed to go out for a run. You know, I managed to do these things that then when you plug yourself back in, into the work environment, you are ready to go. You are operating on you know, a full battery, not always on low battery mode because <laughs> you've got 10% left. You know, I think I can say for myself and in my 20s, especially, I was very much a yes person. Yes, 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 yes. And my time was going everywhere and I was so busy. And at the end of the day, when I, if I was by myself, I was like, wow, like I'm everywhere. Like where, 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 where do I want to go? Where do I want to spend my time? Like, is this, and then I started saying no. And I started to realize a lot of people are understanding when you say no, first of all, and you don't have to explain yourself thoroughly a lot of the time when we think that we do. And you actually, at the end of the day, get time back and you have time to reflect on the things that you actually want. Again, in my twenties, I was just saying yes to every every opportunity, uh, every event, every friend catch up uh, when in those moments I could have been working on something that, you know, I was passionate about and, and build something that was meaningful to me. And, you know, there was a part in, point in my life where I was meeting all these interesting people, but at the end of the day, I was like, wow, like I want to be able to be working and developing and building something that is exciting, something that I can talk about. I was very much, you know, listening to their stories, which is so, so awesome. And it helps you grow. But at the same time, you also want to be able to contribute. So, so I was in the, that space where I was like, Oh, gosh, you know, I, I need to start building and I need to protect my time and use my time wisely. And yeah, and even again, back into the work environment, uh, I've learned how to say, no. And it's, hey, you know, nice. it's, it's really, you know, be, and I think it's because, and especially it's over time, you know, once you've shown that you're a good worker and people can rely on you, it's easier to say no and say, Hey, I've got X and X and X. If you have this new project, I'm going to have to let go of X. Right. And most people are very, very understanding. And you yeah, know, yeah. I've, I've gone through burnout. You've gone through burnout and yeah we were in burnout states because we weren't saying no. We yeah. weren't being intentional with our time. So something to really think about. Also, I previously interviewed Patrick J. McGinnis, who coined the word FOMO, as you know, yeah. in episode yeah. 92, where he touched on how many of us are getting lost and keeping up with the Joneses. And especially in my 20s, I was very much like, oh yeah, I need to keep up with this person, this person, this person. And then I realized, oh wow, with social media, like now we're following thousands and thousands and millions and millions of people around the world. But it's like, okay, get away from that, disconnect, figure out yeah. what I want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of people can get lost in that. And I think the thing that really keeps people comfortable, especially in the corporate world, is these corporate opportunities, and they can be amazing. You know, there's nothing against it. Everybody has a different path. I just, I just think that in many ways, our society rewards us with these salaries that in many ways are comfortable and it's safe, which is a good feeling. But if it's not making you happy, you should make a change, you know, and a lot of the time, you know, these salaries can keep us right. They can keep oh, you, yeah, yeah. you in, yeah. in place. Yeah. I, I like to call it the, uh, is it job security or job prison? It's, it's um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It could be one or the other. It could be something that actually helps you flourish and you're passionate, or it could be something where you don't feel 
completely yourself. And I can say in, in past corporate roles, I didn't feel like I could be fully myself. And finally, for the first time in the role that I also do, I feel like I can be completely myself. So I direct a run and that feels so great. Like waking up every day makes like, you just feel so much lighter and just happier every day. So I'm curious, uh, considering society can really reward us, you know, to keep us in our place, even if it is unfulfilling, how did you gain the courage to embrace a different path? And how have your peers responded to your new way of life? That's a good question. Yeah, I suppose we'll we'll tackle the the peers one first because, again, it was a bit like, what on earth are you doing? From a British perspective, we've not had minimalism in our culture for very long at all, if at all. Um, You know, the people in North America have had the, the, the fortune of having words from Joshua Becker, The Minimalists, um, Courtney Carver, and others. We've not had we've not had that. So we've not had a role model really to show us that it's okay to let go of of your stuff. I'm kind of hoping to be that role model. But within my peer group, and especially with my family, it was a, definitely a case of why you, you know you're not gaining anything from this because they were seeing gains as materialistic. Because right. that's what we've all been brought up on, right? You know, success means more. You know, you get a bigger house, bigger car, bigger salary, that means you're winning. If you're letting go of all of that, that means you're losing. And that is that black and white world that some of us still live in, unfortunately. But also you've got all this grey in the middle and the the, the the kind of things that we don't see that add so much positivity to our life, like the things that we can't grab hold of, like an increase in confidence. How do you see that unless you act it out? You know, it's not, it's not something that you can write down on a bit of paper or put in your, you know, an increase in resilience. These are the hidden perks mm-hmm. of having this lifestyle. So only afterwards did my friends and family see the impact, you know, of all these crazy decisions of quitting a job and a career that I was safe in and had a decent salary and leaving the home that I, my first adult home. And now what are you doing? He's gone mad. Um, but then seeing the rewards after that, you know, year, two years down the line of, you know, considerably happier, considerably more experienced through travel and more confident, more creative, being able to inspire, influence and motivate others through, through this journey. And so, yeah, that peer bit sometimes takes a little bit to get through. What was the second, what was that first part of your question again, Kelly? Yeah. How did you gain (laughs) the courage to embrace a different path? Maybe it was yeah. found confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was the courage. I think the courage came from knowing that I wasn't going to miss any of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're going through that fear stage, you know, letting go of films I've loved, books that I promised myself to read and never, never did. Music, so all the CDs that I bought, um, furniture, um, spare wires to stuff. So... Yeah, so almost like letting go of that fear of missing out, <laughs> you realise that actually you don't need any of that stuff and you can still be as a, a new version of yourself and that kind of courage went through. The, the travelling bit on top of that was where all the growth came. Mm-hmm. Having the courage to go to different countries I'd never been to before. Um, without a massive plan, you know, not a huge plan or go and do this, go and do that. It was, you know, it was quite free. Having the courage to go away, problem solve, live and breathe and explore in new cultures 
figure out how to communicate in a different way. Right? So all these things build up your, your ability to create, to be a new person. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so off the back of that, like I said, I came back and I was like, I'm more courageous. I'm going to try stuff. I'm going to say no more. I'm going to take more risks. And every single thing I've done, bar a couple, have led me to where I am today, to be a published author, to have my own business, to go out and talk to thousands of people. It's all because of courage. But I would have never had that if I'd kept my Sopranos box set. <laughs> no, look how much you've grown over the past few years. It's incredible. And you're also giving back at the, at the same time, right? I always break it down to, if you disconnect from all of those luxuries that you own, who are you? Like, think about your value. Like when you escape all of those material items, like you should do things that challenge you and help you grow, you know, having that growth mindset. Cause at the end of the day, it's just you. I always just like, look at yourself as a blank slate. You're going to be growing out. You don't grow by owning possessions. You grow by getting out there, doing things, helping others, right? And that's what you've done. You've disconnected yourself from the things that make you look successful. I think the success is the person in yourself. Like that is success. That's the walking piece of success, right? It shouldn't be the car or the house that you own. It should be, what have you done in your life? What have you seen? What's your legacy, right? So what's your legacy? So when we all, you know, when we all pass on, I don't want my tombstone to say he had a lot of stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I'd want to be known to doing a lot of a lot of things and having loads of experiences and so you can't take it with you so why take it with you on your journeys you know that you're when you're living so yeah I I've, I've currently been listening to the minimalist latest book love people use things and oh what's it like I've not got there yet is it, oh, is it good I assume so- it is all right it's so good. Of course, it's amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, no, I, I love it. I'm listening to the audio, the audible version. And I heard a quote yesterday and I wanted to read it out to you. Yeah, said, the more you give, the more you grow, the more you grow, the more you have to give. And I love that. It's so true. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, and you, you don't grow from the things that you own. <laughs> You, you grow from the experiences that you create and the stories that you share with other people. You know, I, when I ask myself the question of like, when are you at, when are you at your best or when do you feel excited? It's when I'm with people and I'm connecting with people and sharing stories. That's what life's all about. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, when you tell your stories to people, it has a ripple effect and you've now got a platform to do that successfully. And so, you know, we probably don't know how many lives we've impacted by yeah. just storytelling, by telling people the stories about the stuff that we got wrong, the positive impacts of living with less. You know, we just don't know how many people we've positively impacted. Um, and I think some of the, that's, that's always going to be a mystery to us. <laughs> we're yeah. never really going to know, which is a little bit, little bit sad. But, you know, we, what we do know is that if, even if people listen to this and don't take any action, which is completely fine, it's completely, it's completely up to you, they've, had a, they've listened they've maybe had their awareness increase a little bit this has been a little bit thought-provoking and maybe a little bit entertaining right so you know it's been time well spent and they may go and now tell their friends about this weird guy with a british accent who sold everything he ever owned and then got told by his friends to write a book about it who actually they you know and i think i wrote a book about what are you going to do they wanted me to download mario kart on my phone 
one day and like come on get involved race us all i was like i can't i want to write a book about minimalism and they went surely that's just two pages page one get rid of your stuff page two have you got rid of it yet that's it um i was like yeah there's a little bit more to it than that but again that's another example of me having to say no to my friends so i could do the thing that was most important and hopefully hopefully you guys get get a lot of value out of discovering this and um and whatever comes after that I, I I listened to an interview you had on the Curious Worldwide podcast. And, oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and the host had asked you how many items you own, and I loved your response. You said enough, and yeah. uh, you know I think that's really helpful for our listeners because a lot of people, especially who are new to listening to our podcast, you know it's it's not about removing all of your items it's about being intentional with the items that you own so you just own enough you you own everything that you need and again to your friends obviously they're living on the misconception you know minimalism less 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 no it's it's about intentionality which is basically simpli- simplification you know simplifying your lives so that again you can focus on the things that matter most to you so, and, and today, you know, in addition to writing and blogging, you also speak on minimalism and you yeah. share your story with others. So you, at, right now you're helping others help declutter and simplify their lives. And I'm curious who or what inspired you to start speaking and what have the responses been from your audiences so far? Yeah, it's, again, this was just by luck, really. Um, I was telling this story to my friends when I come back from traveling. We're sitting around at Christmas having a few drinks. And um, and yeah, and I was just basically saying they could see that I was, my chin was up and my shoulders were back. I was proud of what I'd done and all of these experiences that I'd achieved through having less, having enough, going out and experiencing the world, coming back, changing careers. Because again, they were like, but why? Why, would, why, are, you, why are you doing all this? Why, why do all the bigger people? One of my friends said, um, you should come in and talk to my department about this. And I went, nah. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that's not what I do. That's not who I am. But then I thought, I was like, well, that's just the old stories again. That's just the old mental clutter again, saying that I can't do something because of, you know, fill in the blanks. And I went, yeah, right. So I went in and went into a into an organisation one day. I spoke for 45 minutes. And then at the end of it, I had a queue of people wait to talk to me and tell me their own clutter stories, how many shoes they've kept, you know, train sets they've kept from their childhood and the reasons why they, they can't let go of them. And at that moment, I thought, we've all got stuff going on and we're all struggling with our relationship with stuff. So I did another one. I did another one. And it just snowballed from there. And every time, I, you know, I, I come away, whether it's a Zoom call or whether it's in person, they're like, hmm. That's pretty thought-provoking. Right. So, it, you know, so they almost go away with an increased level of awareness because I always remember, I always go back to the film White Men Can't Jump. There's a bit in the car where Woody and Wesley are talking and he goes, you can't hear Jimmy. We can't listen to Jimmy. I can't remember what way it is around now. You listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear him. That's similar with our stuff. We can look at it, but can't see it. We don't really know the impact it has until you really start to see the stuff around you. Then you know the impact it has and you start dealing with it. So, yeah, similar to what I do when I, when I coach as well off the back of it is we're hearing a lot of stuff. We hear what people say, but are we really listening? What's really being said or what is not being said, which is most important. 
so yeah so I use all of these skills now um, to help coach groups of people to go in and talk about less and and yeah I've had yeah feedback has been really positive even some comedic as well where some people have gone after your session I went and hired a skip to get rid of the majority of my things and I'm thinking are you going to get me to pay for that <laughs> because of the, I did encourage you to do it and so yeah there's been a few people that have found old things and gotten rid of them and, and, and amazing stories as well like where you know people have gone into their old storage facilities that they've been paying hundreds of pounds a month got rid of all of that stuff they've given it to charity and then the charity has come back six months later to tell them how much money they've raised oh you know, wow. thousands of pounds. so it almost completes the cycle and there's again there's a few stories in the book about about completing the cycle but but yeah i've had so many stories like that where people have taken the the leap of faith to get rid of some of their stuff and then they've seen the rewards in not just for themselves not just for their family but for society and communities as well mm-hmm. and that's where they kind of go i get it now it, don't these stories motivate you to continue to do what you're doing because that is I what feel, yeah, of, yeah yeah it's incredible I feel, again i feel where it started as just a, a thing to try and a bit of fun i feel now it's my responsibility so in a fun way, you know, because I go out and I, I do make jokes and I do make it fun and we do have fun little experiments and, and things like that when, when, I'm go, when I'm asked to go and talk. And, but I see the results, you know. And I don't give people a list of things to do because mm-hmm. I think there's enough of that already. You know, if you want to go online and get the top 10 decluttering tips, you can get that. Right. And that's amazing, right? Um, because a lot of us need that. We don't need that direction to start off with. But sometimes people just need to sit in their stuff <laughs> and really know how it feels. Uh, so, yeah, so I will continue to do that. As long as my voice holds up, I'll continue to keep speaking. About that. Yeah, I think sometimes when we continue to do the work that we do and, you know, we're zoned in to it, we can forget how much of an impact that we're having on others in a positive way. And even yesterday, reviewing my notes for our discussion today, I went on to our Instagram and someone had wrote us a beautiful post saying, I I can't tell you how much you two have inspired me. Thank you both. You are changing lives. And to go to bed to that, I was like, oh, amazing. So, so, so rewarding. You know, it's, 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 it's messages that, that like that, that make me realize like, wow, this is, this is great. Like, you know, I found a subject that I'm passionate about, but it's also really, really helping others. And it's amazing that uh, I'm so happy to have connected with you today because I feel like we, we're on the same wavelength and we have very similar missions and And we're both wearing black. And we're both wearing black. We've both, we both got our minimalist uniform on. <laughs> our minimalist uniform. Not that you can't wear color. You can wear no. color. But, uh, but yeah, so to close our conversation today, I have three quick questions for you. What is your mission as a thought leader in the minimalism space? I feel now it's my responsibility to tell the story. And how people respond to that is up to them. But I feel like I, especially now, after, as we... You know, fingers crossed as we come out of COVID, a new normal is emerging. And you've now got an opportunity to create certain elements of your life. Are you going to bring forward all of that old crap that you bought 20 years ago? It's up to you. So, yeah, I think it was my responsibility now to share the story. And how do you want to impact your readers? Grow awareness. It'll be, be entertaining, be fun. Um, because like I said before, it's almost like, it can be a very serious topic at times and it needs to be 
so yeah so hopefully it's a little bit entertaining and light and light read and um people go away a little bit hmm, that's interesting i might try that myself and lastly what is your mantra less is progress love it love it and that's <laughs> that's your website lessisprogress.com uh that's and I, I love your writings, so I highly recommend oh, our you. listeners check out your website. You're a fantastic writer. You also, like myself, contribute to minimalism.life. It's a collaboration between The Minimalists and a few others, and definitely check it out. Some some great writings from people who live simply, and uh, yeah, definitely check it out. But where can our audience find you and your book? Yeah, so thanks, Kelly. Yeah, uh, progress.com is the website. You can get some stuff on there for free. So you don't have to pay for anything as, as yet. But if you want more of me and get to know me a bit better, then the book is available on Amazon and all other good online bookstores if you don't like using Amazon. You can yeah, Discovery of Less is the name. If you want me to come in and talk to your company and hopefully help you to uh, reduce the overwhelm and the amount of the volume of tasks, then again, just go on lessprogress.com and um, hit me up with an email. I'd love to come in and and chat with you guys and meet you all and but yeah get to know me on in the book there's lots of fun tales in there and um i don't take myself too seriously because i'm still learning but yeah have have fun with it enjoy it and go grab yourself some free stuff on on lessprogress.com that's awesome that's awesome and as i like to say this lifestyle requires maintenance so yes <laughs> it's a lifelong journey we're always continuing continually learning so hopefully you and i can collaborate in some way in the future it's a pleasure and uh let's let's do this again soon 100 i think you'll probably be uh creating personal best running for me to try and to try and beat or something oh. or yeah or you know but also you're an amazing writer as well and i'm sure that we'll be able to write some good stuff together but we're creating now you know we're creating magic now across two continents you know exactly. that's that's amazing so again once again kelly thank you so much for the opportunity to to create with you and thank you for all the support uh, and all the love and let's just continue on and, and be that ripple effect for people fantastic Thank you for listening. That was my discussion with minimalist author and speaker, Chris Lovett, who wrote Discovery of Less. And again, you can learn more about this read and Chris's background on his website at lessisprogress.com. And if you found Chris's story motivating and enjoyed our discussion today, please send us a line on social media at Millennial Minimalist or post this episode on social to help us spread Chris's story and the benefits of living with less. I truly believe that when we remove the things in our lives that we don't need or use, we can begin to design a simpler, more intentional space. And on a deeper level, we can begin to reflect on how we are spending our time and uncover both the things that may be holding us back and see more clearly the people, experiences, and things that bring us the most value. So thanks again for listening. And as always, you can learn more about the Millennial Minimalist podcast and my co-host Lauren and I on our website at mastersimplicity.com, where you can also find information on our one-on-one simple living coaching sessions and our latest closet kit to help you design a simpler and more intentional closet for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening and I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.